Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, if you haven't recognized that yet, uh, can I tell you, you're probably missing something. Amen. Because we need God. We need Him uh, to be in every part of our life. And, you know, last week, in an effort to discover how we might experience the Spirit-filled life, we learn that God the Spirit, working with God the Father and with God the Son, indwells all believers and points others to Jesus Christ through us. So the Holy Spirit works with us to come to Christ. That's important, right? Let me rephrase that. God works with us to come to Christ, right? Good, good, good. And then He works in us so that we become like Christ, right? Good job. And then, guess what? Then He comes upon us to empower us to do God's will, God's way, for God's glory. I mean, what a deal. Amen? He does the work in us. Then He comes in us to empower us. It is just such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. But here's the deal, y'all. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will not force you to live a Spirit-filled life. It is your choice. And it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is God at work in us. So if you ignore Him, then you are ignoring God. Since God the Spirit is God at work in us, to sin against Him is to sin against God. Today, I want to point out four ways that Christians can respond to the Holy Spirit that may strain or cause permanent damage to our relationship with Him. Number one, some people resist the Spirit. Resisting the Spirit is a way that we can strain or permanently damage our relationship. If you would, go with me to Acts chapter 7. That's going to be on or about page 9. 72. 972 in the Bible's in front of you. And I want you to read, or I want you to hear what the first Christian martyr, the first Christian to give his life for the cause of Christ, said to people that were getting ready to stone him to death. This is what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. So Stephen was saying basically, you stubborn and hard-hearted people, don't you know that you are resisting the Spirit? Are you going to continue to resist the Spirit of God like your forefathers did? See, resisting the Spirit is a sin where somebody may know. They may know that the Spirit of God is trying to bring them to Jesus, but they allow pride to keep them 
from submitting to Christ. They resist the Spirit. But it's not just that, because resisting the Spirit, while it's not only rejecting Christ's offer, it's also standing against that which is holy and good. For example, in areas of government, in areas of government, we seem to constantly see people resisting the Spirit. In areas of government, we see people who seem to favor and promote immoral and corrupt conduct. Amen? While simultaneously, they are opposing and fighting against that which is holy and ethical and good. What are they doing? They are resisting the Spirit. They're standing against God in the world that they live in. Now here's the danger. Here's the danger of that sin. Every time that a person resists Jesus Christ, every time they resist the Holy Spirit and His work in drawing them to Christ, every time that they stand against the principles of God, it becomes much more difficult later for them to come to Jesus. They are resisting the Spirit. But the second way that Christians respond to the Holy Spirit is by quenching the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, Paul said to this church, he said, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Paul said that believers can sin against the Holy Spirit, watch this, externally. Believers can sin against the Holy Spirit externally. How can they do that? By quenching what the Spirit wants to do in and through their lives. You see that word quench? That word quench means to put out a fire. That word quench means to stifle. It means to smother. And God says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now what you need to know this morning is this. Serving God, serving the Lord, is one of the greatest privileges that God gives to believers. If you haven't taken advantage of this great privilege, you are missing out. And to serve God better, the Holy Spirit gives believers what are called spiritual gifts. Then the Holy Spirit provides ministries or needy places where those gifts might be used. Then the Spirit provides the power. The power to exercise those gifts for God's glory and for the good of other people. Then He rewards us for doing what He empowered us to do. Is there a better deal in the Christian life than serving the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? What a deal. You see, when we yield control of our lives to the Holy Spirit, people describe us as being on fire for Jesus. Friend, are you on fire for Jesus? Are you on fire for Jesus? If you can't describe yourself as being on fire for Jesus, what is it that is stifling that fire? What is it that is smothering that fire? What is it in your life 
that is quenching that fire? Only you can answer that question. But here's what we need to know. We need to know that it is possible for believers to quench the Spirit of God in our lives. You can't lose the presence of the Holy Spirit, but you can smother or stifle the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So how do Christians quench the Spirit of God in their lives? Well, many times, believers just neglect or refuse to use the gifts that God has given them. They just say no. Many believers just say no. They say no to the Spirit, Spirit's call to glorify God. Some believers just say no, I'm not using my musical ability. Some Christians just say no to using their leadership ability for the glory of God. Some believers just say no when it comes to mentoring and leading children into a closer relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have just said no when it came time to participating in a ministry like the Grow Outreach Ministry. Maybe you just said no to participating in our outreach efforts to reach people beyond the walls of this building. Maybe you just said, no, I will not sacrifice one hour a month for seven months. That's too much. And I want you to know this morning that when you do that, you are quenching the spirit within you. God wants you to serve Him in the ways that He has directed you. And if you refuse, you are quenching the Spirit. You may say, Brother Bill, I don't have a clue about anything regarding outreach. And I would say to you, that's exactly why we've set up GROW the way we have. GROW requires no skill. You can be dumb as a stump and still come and participate in the Grow Outreach Ministry. It requires no skill. It only requires obedience. It only requires obedience. What you do is you just tell us. You tell us how you want to serve in this ministry. You tell us if you want to be on a visiting team or a card team, or a prayer team, or an invigoration team here at church that makes the church building more welcoming and cleaner and nicer. You even tell us what day you want to do it on. We got two days, two days a month that we, that we meet, and you can pick either one of those days. Seven hours a year, y'all. Will you just say no? What you need to know is that countless, friend, countless people in our community have been blessed by the Lord 
Because there have been some Bethel Christians that chose not, refused to say no when it came to the GROW outreach ministry. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something that needs to change in your life, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about what you need to be doing for God and you ignore His promptings, you know what you do? You extinguish His power within you. You smother His power within you. He's still in your life. He's not taken away. But we're not giving Him complete control. And so we're stifling His work in our lives. Now, looking back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we see a lot of other matters that speak to this point. Verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe you're quenching the Spirit if you fail to rejoice in the Lord as you should? There's always reason. We all have problems. But if we're not careful, we'll begin to dwell on those problems. We'll begin to dwell on those burdens and we'll forget all about the blessings. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Do you talk to the Lord every day? Do you spend time communicating with your Father in Heaven? Did you know that God's cell phone is never muted? I've called some of y'all and heard your phone's muted. Sorry about that, Brother Bill. Amen? Did you know that, that God's phone is never muted? Did you know, friend, that God will never ignore your call? Did you know that God will never ghost you and pretend like you didn't exist? No. He'll never do that. But when we fail to pray, we quench the Spirit. <coughs> Verse 18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I think you would agree that we have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. I mean, if you thank God lately for saving you from the penalty of sin, the awful penalty of sin, have you thanked Him for it? Friend, have you thanked God lately for your family? Have you thanked God lately for your circle of friends? Have you thanked God lately for your church? Have you thanked God lately for the Bible and the guidance we receive through the Word? When we fail to be thankful, you know what you're really doing? You're quenching the Spirit. Speaking of the church, many churches are quenching the Spirit this, these days. They're quenching the Spirit because they're failing to reach beyond the walls of their building. They've come to this conclusion that church is a country club and all we're supposed to do is just minister to one another. But that's not what the church was made for. The church was made for us to reach outside these walls. And when we fail to respond, when we fail to do that, when we just say no, then guess what we're doing? We're quenching the Spirit. Those churches 
that just say no, they have zero impact on their community. Those churches that just say no have members in their building that act just like lost people outside. Those churches that just say no find themselves to be slack. Slack in their devotion to Jesus. So friend, let no one ever be able to say that Bethel Baptist Church didn't truly care for our community. Let no one ever say that Bethel Baptist Church quenches the Spirit in their church. So the responses thus far are resisting the Spirit and quenching the Spirit. But thirdly, the Bible tells us that believers can grieve the Spirit. Quenching the Spirit is sinning externally. Grieving the Spirit is a believer sinning against the Spirit internally. Internally. You see, part of the Spirit's responsibility is to produce Christ-like behavior in you. That's part of His job. He's trying to make you look like Jesus to all those people that you know. He's trying to make sure that you are separated, that you're different from the sins of the world that you live in. That's called something that we call sanctification. Being made more like Jesus. You see, you becoming a Christian is supposed to produce Christ-like living. It's a complete overhaul. It's a complete cleansing and it's intended to change you. Have you noticed a great big change since you've come to Christ? So the Holy Spirit comes in with this huge dumpster. And He begins to haul the garbage out of your life and throw it in the dumpster. He takes out all the garbage of your old life so that He can make something new in your new life. But it is possible for believers to hinder this process of sanctification. It's possible for you to hinder the Spirit's work in you to make you more like Jesus. Did you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit so far that He will no longer be able to do what He must do to make you look like Jesus? What does that word grieve mean anyway? Ironically, we talked about it quite a bit at CIA for the past five or six weeks. Because in Genesis chapter 6, we learned that grieve, to grieve someone, means to make someone very sorrowful. And in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth, and guess what else? He was grieved in His heart. Sorry that He had even made man to begin with. 
because of their wickedness. And every evil intent is in the heart of men and women. Greed, though, is really a word about love. Grieve is a word about love. Where you see, you can't grieve someone that doesn't love you. Think about that. You can't grieve an enemy. You can make him mad at you. But you can't grieve an enemy. Why? Because he don't love you. You can only grieve someone who loves you. But when you sin against those people that love you, they are grieved. And I want to tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit of God loves you more than you could possibly love your children. Think about that, y'all. Moms, the Holy Spirit loves you more than you can love your kids. More than you can love your grandkids, praise God. Amen? The Holy Spirit loves you more than you can love your spouse. The Holy Spirit watches over you constantly. He cares for every minute detail in your life. The Holy Spirit listens to every word you say. He watches everything you do. And when we say things that we ought not say, when we do things that we ought not do, we hurt the Spirit's heart. We grieve Him and cause Him to be sorrowful. Now, when you look at the verses around Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, remember verse 30 said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When you look around that verse, here's what you find that might grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 25 says, we grieve the Holy Spirit when we lie. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. We also find in verse 26 that we grieve the Spirit when we sin in anger. Verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. The Bible says that in verse 31, uh, that there's a whole bag of garbage that can be caused when we grieve the Spirit with a bad temper. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which is loud quarreling, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then in verse 29, we learn that we can grieve the Spirit when we use filthy speech. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So as you look at the man in the mirror, as you look at the woman that you are putting makeup on this morning, amen? 
Is that a person that was a liar? That would sin in anger? That had a bad temper? That used filthy language? If that's the person you saw, then I hate to be the one to tell you this, but you've been quenching the Spirit. Let me ask you this question. Suppose for a whole week, you and I would hang out with each other. Everywhere you went, I was there. Every word you said, I was there to hear it. Would that change your behavior in any way? Would that change the way you talk? Would it change your attitude at all? Would it change your language? Would you cuss as much? See, there's an assumption there. Amen? Would you gossip as much? There's an assumption there too. Would you use hateful words as much if you and I were hanging out together day in and day out? Well, thankfully, <laughs> I'm not with you every day. Thankfully, I don't hear every word you say. But the Holy Spirit does. He goes with you everywhere you go. He hears every word you speak. He hears what you say and He sees what you do. And i got to ask you this. Is He grieved? Is He grieved in what He hears? Is He grieved in the way He sees you living? Is there anything in your life that is hurting the Holy Spirit right now? Friend, is there anything, any attitude, any defiance, any rebellion in your life that is grieving the very Holy Spirit of God? When was the last time you said in your prayers, Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I've grieved you. I want to change. Only until recently have I found myself in the habit of speaking to the Holy Spirit. It's always been the Father. It's always been my Jesus. But now I find myself praying to the Spirit of God and apologizing for grieving Him. One final response. Not only can you resist the Holy Spirit, not only can you quench the Holy Spirit, not only can you grieve the Holy Spirit, there's also a huge problem called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 31, Jesus is speaking here, so listen up. Put your spiritual antenna up. The Lord's getting ready to talk. Therefore I say to you, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven them. Wow. 
If you have any question in your mind this morning, as you sit in these pews, as you have come to church to worship, if you have any concern that you have committed this unpardonable sin, this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I want to put your heart at rest this morning. Just the mere fact that you are here worshiping and seeking and wanting to know God is evidence that you have not yet committed the unpardonable sin. But, when a person continually and repeatedly resists the work of the Spirit in their life, whether it be to come to Christ or to allow Him to work through their life, it can lead to committing the unpardonable sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the only way for us to be saved from sin. There is no other. There is no other way. And the initial work of the Spirit is to draw us to Jesus. To point us to Jesus. And so if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if we say, no, I don't want Him anymore. I don't want Him in my life. Leave me alone. You may be in danger of committing that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And friend, that is the point of no return. When a person refuses God's call to salvation to be saved through the Holy Spirit, he's saying he is not interested in anything of God and he wants to be left alone. And every time that a person resists the Holy Spirit, they come one step closer to that unpardonable, that unforgivable sin. So blasphemy, which is the only, say only, oh. it's the only unforgivable sin. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the deliberate, definite choice to reject God's offer of salvation through Jesus. So, what are we supposed to do if we find that we have been resisting the Spirit's work in our life? What are we supposed to do if we can find in our own lives times when we have quenched the Holy Spirit? What are we supposed to do when we realize Oh my heavens, I have been grieving the Holy Spirit. What do you do? Well, you thank God for 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, friend, when the Spirit makes you aware that you've sinned against Him in some way, what are you supposed to do? Go to Him. Go to Him immediately. Confess that sin. And equally important, forsake that sin. Abandon it. Leave it behind you forever. Then, ask God to cleanse you. Ask God to empty you of self. To remove from your life the source of the problem. See, that's usually where we falter. We confess it. We try to forsake it. But we don't ask God to remove the source. Remove the source 
from your life. See, then and only then can we expect the sweet, sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit to continue in our lives. Anybody ever heard of Aaron Burr? It's not, not the lawyer. Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr was the third vice president in the United States. He served under Thomas Jefferson. And Aaron Burr, uh, you probably don't remember him so much as being the vice president, but you remember him for shooting Alexander Hamilton in an illegal duel. Well, when Burr was a college student, he went to a series of revival services, and he fell under this incredible uh, condemnation. He fell under this incredible uh, conviction of sin. And he struggled. Should I be saved? Should I come to Christ or not? He was convicted in his heart of hearts, but ultimately he decided against Jesus. Years later, he spoke about that time in his life and he said, you know, at that time when I made that decision, I told God, God, you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. And God has kept His word and I've kept mine. Is God speaking to you today? Can I get you to do this? Is He speaking to every one of us today? He's speaking to us today and He either wants you to come to Christ or He wants you to make necessary changes that will enable Him to use you for His glory. Have you been resisting the Spirit? Letting pride rule in your life? Have you been quenching the Spirit, not using your gifts for the glory of God? Friend, have you been grieving the Spirit, hurting Him by what you do or say? Friend, are you close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit by committing that unpardonable sin of rejecting Jesus once and for all? I want you to know that whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you're struggling with this morning, I implore you, I beg you to slam on the brakes, accept God's offer of forgiveness Come to Christ and make the changes that He wants to make in your life. You see, today, today, say today. Today, today is the day of salvation. Amen. Today is the day of great change. Now, I've already filled out my golden ticket. And I have come to the conclusion that even though I've been here Every, just about every time that the growth teams have met, maybe my heart wasn't in it like it should be. And so this invitation, this decision time, it's not just about for those, those that need to come to Christ. That, it is for that. But it's also for those that realize, as all of you did by raising your hand, that one of the chief challenges of the church is to reach beyond the walls of this building. 
That's what the Grow Outreach Ministry does. And so my prayer is for you, is that during this decision time, you will have filled that card out. And if you'll place your sacrifice of seven hours a year, one hour a month for seven months, one hour, and we're strict. One hour. And if you will give that as an offering to Jesus. Or you can resist the Spirit. You can quench the Spirit. You might could even grieve the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will not force you. He will not force you to live a Spirit-filled life. So you come as the Lord leads. Let me pray for you.